Ramble. If I offered you two different pairs of jeans and I told you that you can only wear one of them, you could probably decide in two seconds. But what if I offered you a thousand pairs of jeans and they're all slightly different and I said you can only wear one of these for the next 12 months straight. This will be your go-to pant of choice. What are you going to do? How do you even start to choose? That's exactly what I felt like when I was combing through thousands of listings whenever we were moving to a new apartment. I would spend hours a day stressing about, is this apartment in a good neighborhood? Is it going to accommodate my dogs? Does it fit my budget? I didn't know any of these. And the worst part is most of the listings didn't even tick all of my boxes. That is why Apartments.com is your best place to look for your new home. Apartments.com lets you filter your search based on whether you have pets, if you want a balcony, built-in AC, whatever it is that you're looking for. The website remembers your search so that you don't have to keep filtering every time you come back. And Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else, meaning no matter how specific your needs are, they got you. And your instant alerts mean that you can spend less time online looking for the perfect place and more time doing you. So if you're looking for a new place to call home, head over to Apartments.com, apartments.com, the place to find a place. Bada bing, bada boo. Mahek, who went by May online, was this TikTok influencer. She's 24, her mom is 44, and she's very important to this story. So just remember that. And the two of them, they would make these really cute dancing videos together, dancing to the trendiest song. That's kind of what she got known for. Everyone loved this mother and daughter dynamic where both of them are dancing to the trends. People would comment things like, oh my God, they look more like sisters than they look like mother and daughter. She was live streaming one day. So 24-year-old May is live streaming and... Her mom is scrolling through the comments with her. They're listening to the chat, answering viewers' questions. And one comment made by a clearly fake troll account said, Tell your mom to call me. May laughed it off. She's thinking, this is a troll who's insinuating that my mom is hot and is like, hey, have her call me. But if you watched carefully, you might have seen Unsreen, the mom, her face twitch just a little. She might have let out a nervous little chuckle and excused herself to the restroom where she would nervously put her phone to her ear. Hello? Is it you again? Please, please don't do that. If you keep doing that, I'm going to go to the police. Don't involve my daughter like this. Please stop. But he wouldn't stop. He would keep going. This man would find Enzreen's husband's phone number and text him. Do you want to see videos of your wife? And Serene felt her heart race when she found these messages on her husband's phone. Thank God her husband thought it was an online troll. I mean, given that they're a pretty public family on social media, he never responded thinking, oh, one of these creeps finally got my number. But if this got out, it would ruin her marriage, her whole family, and even her daughter's whole TikTok career. May had a wholesome, religious, family-oriented image on social media. And now Enzreen, her mom, was going to ruin it all. She looked down at the new text message on her phone from him, and it read, One click, and I ruined your life. And Serene and her daughter, May, would do anything to prevent that, even if it meant killing two people to keep their secrets safe. What does one click mean? He's going to post whatever that video is. He's going to send it to her husband. He's going to send it to the world, make it go viral. One click... And her whole TikTok career, her daughter's TikTok career, would come crumbling down. Wow. And so would her family. So would her social standing. As always, full show notes are available at rottenmingopodcast.com. This is a pretty recent case that happened in the United Kingdom, but um, 
Yeah, let's just get into it because there's a lot. There is a platform called Azar. It's very reminiscent to me of Omegle. Like you use it to randomly video chat strangers from all over the world. But Azar really focuses on marketing and marketing the fact that they have a lot of preferences that you can set for who you're going to be matched with. You can narrow it down to geographical location, potentially even age, all these things. A lot of people actually use it to date because you can't get catfished. It's kind of a cool icebreaker. Instead of going through this like uncomfortable texting phase, you just see their face immediately. You mm. see if you have connection. Mm-hmm. It was also really popular during the pandemic because people just wanted some form of human connection. And Serene's niece was over at the house using Azar. So and Serene is the mom. Mm-hmm. And May, the TikToker, is out and about. Her niece is video calling a guy through the app. He looked like he was in his 20s. He lived in the UK. And that's really all Anne knew about him as of right now. She's just doing some chores and listening to this conversation. And the niece, she's half bragging, half passionately telling him about herself. Oh, and her cousin, her cousin Mahek was famous on TikTok. So she's telling him what her account is, what her Instagram is. Oh my God, and then this is Mahek's mom. This is May's mom. She's in the videos. Actually, sometimes she's the star. So while Mahek alone would only get 50,000 views, when Ensreen, her mom, was in there dancing with her, they would get like 300,000 views. That's a big difference. So she's like shoving the phone in Ensreen's face, like, say hi, Auntie Ensreen. This is, a what was your name again? Sakib. Nice to meet you. Ensreen said she smiled and waved, and that was that. She went back to doing whatever she was doing. I mean, these are little kids having conversations. Why should it bother her? Why should it matter to her? A lot of TikTokers became famous during the pandemic and May really wanted to be one of them. She was doing all the things that they were doing. She was dancing to the trendiest songs, which looking back at a lot of these TikToks, it feels like a fever dream. Doja Cat, the why don't you say so dance? <laughs> like all the the viral McDonald's hacks through the drive throughs using the Zoom filter to lip sync to songs and like cover your face and then it goes to the next person when they uncover their face. Yeah, we, we did all of that. Too. Yes, it's like a fever dream. Yeah. So May quit college to do this. She really, 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 really wanted to be a TikToker. She would recruit her brother in her videos, her mom, her dad. Her dad didn't make as much of a frequent appearance, but there he's in a few videos. Honestly, he seems very likable. He just seems really sweet. Kind of like a dad. Maybe he talks a little too much hmm. about things that young people don't care about, but he's he's cute. So they have this really adorable, wholesome family image. And her caption with her mom would say things like, having an elite relationship with your mom. So blessed to have her in my life. My mother, best friend, and sister all in one. To the woman who birthed me, I appreciate you so much. May claimed to be a devout Muslim. She posted a lot about her faith on TikTok as well. But her primary interest, her ultimate goal, was to be a fashion influencer. She said, I would post my fashion outfits on Instagram. Companies would send me clothing. I would tag them on my platform and that's how I would get paid. She was also invited to promote restaurants, bars, specifically hookah lounges. And she would always bring her mom with her. So half the reason being, her family was a little bit more conservative. So her dad just always worried about her. And the other half was, her mom is her best friend. So they're the type that would giggle and whisper in a corner of the house as if they're like two best friends having a slumber party instead of mom and daughter living together in the same house. 
it was kind of endearing like the brother and the dad would joke around they'd roll their eyes oh there they go again plotting something may convinced her mom to make her own instagram account with all the views that are coming in i mean it's gonna go over to her instagram it's gonna ripple over and then maybe she can start doing promotions too Honestly, it sounds like May is telling her, Mom, it's an opportunity. Just do it. It's going to be great. And maybe that's true. But it's clear that there is a side of Ensreen that really wants this life. She was 44. Her whole life she had been sheltered for 44 years. Her dream growing up was to be a flight attendant. This is like when she was in her teenage years. But instead, her parents said, Actually, we found you a husband. You're going to marry this man and start having children. So that's what she did. She never had this phase of being young and experimenting. She just went straight from being a teenager to being a housewife. There was no crazy phase, no clubbing phase, no drunk phase. I mean, her whole life was great on paper. Arguably, she had everything that she would ever need. Her husband's fantastic. He's sweet. He's hardworking. He's a provider. But there's this, there's this new thrill that she's having from going to bars, being around these young people, and they all have this this energy. They all dress so fun. They're so carefree. They would even say, oh my god, Enzreen, you're one of us. You're total milf. You look so good tonight. Enzreen was excited about this new life. She's like, oh my gosh, do I really? Like, that's crazy. Stop it. So she agreed. She made her own Instagram account and religiously checked her messages. She saw someone new had quite literally slid into her dms and his name was sakib and she's like where do i remember that from why is it ringing a bell it's the guy from azar Mm. it was an innocent enough dm but i'm sure ensreen knew what sakib was doing in her messages and she responds the two start talking every single day every single day they would talk on the phone up to five times a day if ensreen's husband wasn't home sakib would always be on the phone in the background it's like one of those high school relationships Mm. like so they're talking romantically yes Mm. like a genuine relationship even if they aren't actively talking he's just on the phone listening while she's cleaning napping doing all these things he's always there And it seems like because they all live together, May knew that her mom was always on the phone with this guy. But I don't think that she knew from the get-go that it was an affair. She claimed that she just thought, oh, well, they're friends and I didn't think much of it. So Enzreen, she would get off on Saqib's company. He's conventionally attractive. He's young. He's fit. He's also very obsessed with her. And it just felt nice. And the age gap, I mean, it was there. But it wasn't borderline illegal, right? How old is he? He claimed he was 27. And she's 44, so that's a 17-year age gap, Uh which is huge. But, you know, 27 isn't 18, right? Yeah. Well, he was 18. He lied. Whoa. Yeah. He was 18 when they started talking. But he was not her sugar baby or anything. He would actually go out of his way to spend money on Enzreen. If she was at a hookah lounge helping her daughter promote an event, he would show up to the event, surprise her by paying for her, show up to random restaurants, surprise her by paying the tab. He would send gifts to the house that she would have to open in front of her family. And her husband would be like, oh, like what? What is that from? I bought it. I bought it online. I totally forgot I ordered this. That's why I look surprised. Eventually, the relationship turned sexual. Yeah. They didn't see each other a lot because they lived in different towns. And Enzreen was also, you know, married with two kids. So she didn't want to draw suspicion on herself. But when they did see each other, it was just getting more and more explicit. Even during video calls, they would be showing each other a lot of themselves and engaging in sexual activities. 
Francine, it was more fun, more exhilarating, more scandalous, sexual. This was her second affair since being married. Her first one was another man who was married with children. So the two of them, they were equals. In the sense, it's like, hey, you're married, you've got kids, I'm married, I've got kids, we don't want to mess it up. You want to stay in your marriage, you want to stay with your family, I want to stay with my marriage, I want to stay with my family. Wait, 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 wait. The guy's married? No, this was her first affair. Oh, okay, so this okay, is okay. Saqib is her second affair. I see. So I'm saying with her first affair, there was this mutual agreement that both had the same situation. Yeah. They're okay. both like, we're literally doing this because we're evil people and we want to like cheat on our partners, but we don't want them to find out. We don't want to l- divorce our partners and leave our children and be with one another. Yeah. It was just an escape. But with Saqib, it's a little bit different. Saqib wasn't married. He didn't have kids. He wasn't even 27. He lied. He was 18 when they met. And he was absolutely in love with Enzreen. She was his endgame. After two years of this affair, Enzreen wanted to move on. Meets up with Saqib at a hotel and tells him, Look, I just, I just want to focus on my marriage right now. You know, I feel guilty to my husband, to my kids, and I don't think I can do it anymore. They did not break up that night. They slept together. And then the next morning, it was like nothing happened. Saqib started texting Enzrin, clinging to her. And now that he knew she wanted out, he was doing everything to hold on to her. He would call her five to ten times a day, ask her, what are you doing? Who are you with? Where are you going? What's next? Did you talk to your husband today? Enzrin claimed that he would get angry with her if she didn't tell him everything. And he started to get what she describes as controlling. If he felt Enzrin was pulling away, he would send her pictures of designer goods that were en route to her house. And she claims, I kept telling him, I didn't want those. I didn't need those. This was so unnecessary. But he wouldn't listen. He just kept buying me gifts. Sometimes he would even just randomly Uber eats her food. Enzreen said she felt like if I accept these gifts, he would feel like we're together. But if I don't accept the gifts, he would get angry. Finally, December of 2021, Enzreen bit the bullet and broke up with Saqib for good. She's like, I can't do it anymore. There's nothing you can say. I'm not going to meet you at another hotel. Like, I'm done. I'm done. She expected curse words, nonstop angry phone calls, angry emails, She was prepared for it, but she hoped, you know, if I don't engage, if I don't respond, he's going to get bored. He's going to move on. But instead, Ensreen looked at her phone and there were explicit pictures and videos of her and Saqib during their rendezvous. Some screenshots of her during their explicit FaceTime calls. He bombarded her with messages like, if you don't respond, I'm going to send these to your husband. Fine. You want these to go public? I'll make them go viral. Ensreen felt like there was only one way out of this. Dead man, don't post. Soon enough, Saqib would be found dead in a burning car on the side of the road. I don't really like doing chores around the house, I'm going to be honest with you, and I especially used to hate doing laundry. It was just one of my more tedious tasks. It takes so much time, and I often feel tempted to not even bother sorting out my clothes. But I've been trying to motivate myself to get a lot more organized, and I finally found a way to make doing my chores so much more interesting, so much more engaging. And that's by listening to audiobooks on Audible. You guys know me, there is nothing like playing a good psychological thriller. So obviously, that's what I've been listening to. I'm currently listening to The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. The main character, Millie, is out on parole and she's desperate for a job. She doesn't have any money. She's living out of her car and she gets this opportunity to be this rich family's housemaid. Millie agrees. 
Even though there's just something really strange about the Winchesters, especially the wife Nina, she just seems to love finding ways to make Millie's life very difficult. The family is hiding something, and Millie is hiding something, and there's just so much tension between Millie and the husband. It's one of those stories that you can't stop listening to, and I can't wait to finish it and start the next audiobook in this series. But if Thriller is not your thing, don't worry. Audible lets you pick from thousands of titles to find the perfect soundtrack to your day. You can find audiobooks from any genre, fiction, nonfiction, wellness, self-help. But they also have podcasts like this one, guided wellness programs, comedy, and originals. Living life without using Audible is like eating food with no seasoning. Sure, you still get your nutrients in, but it's missing that extra flavor, you know? So if you want to spice up your day, I highly recommend Audible. Audible members can keep one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. New members can try audible now free for 30 days visit audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 that's audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 to try audible free for 30 days my dog mango has been with me through some really crazy times in life i mean she's been with us for the past 10 years if you guys don't know mango is my little french bulldog with half hair okay she's fuzzy only half the time and she is literally the glue of my family i have quite literally named an entire podcast and a youtube channel from my dog mango she is the reason that these channels exist but three years ago mango was diagnosed with this autoimmune disease and she was always at risk of excessive bleeding her fur was falling out in clumps it was it was a pretty stressful time in my life i was constantly emotional about mango being in pain and then i would be get so stressed out every time i started going over the vet bills Every time we took her to the vet, it was like thousands of dollars because her condition was so difficult to treat. And I am just so thankful that we had savings to cover it. I wish I had known about Spot Pet a few years back. It would have just eased so much of that stress. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, is here to share a message today on how they are a secret weapon against the unexpected. Because with Spot Pet Insurance, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills. Our dogs are always there for us during our hardest times, and we need to be there for them too. Go to spotpet.com today and get a quote instantly. Visit spotpet.com. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductibles, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Enzrine's daughter, May, the TikToker, she had no idea who was making deep fakes of her, but it was ruining her life right now. There were explicit videos that looked so realistic. I mean, someone was out there targeting her. It felt especially hurtful because May had built her career on being this religious, multifaceted woman. And not that you can't do both, right? But these photos were deep faked. There were deep faked nude photos and videos of her out there. And even her friends were sending them to her like, hey, what's going on? Originally, she had no idea it was her mom's fault. Her mom was the reason that these deep fake photos of her were circulating the internet. December of 2021, the same month that Enzrine broke up with Saqib, she sits May down and tells her everything. I don't think she did it to just get it off her chest. I think she did it to get help. Enzrine felt like she had no other options left. I mean, she was trapped. So at first, May blows up on her. She's mad at her mom. First of all, you cheated on my dad. But more than that... She's pacing around the living room and she starts getting angrier and angrier. But that anger is turning towards Saqib. How dare he think that he can get away with blackmailing us? 
he was the ultimate threat, the threat to her family, but also the threat to her career. And she would do anything to protect everything that she had worked so hard for. She comforted her mom. This girl was determined. She told her mom, I will take care of it. Don't worry. He's not going to fuck with us. She said, I'll get him jumped by guys. He won't know what day it is. May set into motion a plan that would land eight people in jail. The first thing she did was call her best friend, Rakan Karwan. Hello? I'm being blackmailed. What? I need your help. This psycho guy is spreading deep fakes of me and I think he's going to try and hurt me. Do something to me. I think as long as I pay him off, he will back off. But I don't want to be the one to talk to him about it. Yeah, no problem. Tell me what you need to do. So Rakeen agreed to be the middleman. He was going to be the one that talked to Saqib for May. He had no idea that May's mom was involved in any of this and that she was the one being blackmailed. I guess May doesn't trust him that much, right? And Rakan reached out to Saqib, who stated that he wanted $3,800 to back off from the family. So this is where the game of Monopoly starts. There are eight main players, all of them trying to win the game without ending up in jail. And when it comes to pick their game piece, you know in Monopoly, there's the dog, there's like the cat, the iron, the wheelbarrow, right? Mm -hmm. They would all choose the car. And this would be the last game that they ever play for a very, very long time. And Serene and May reach out to Saqib. They ask him, do you want to meet up with us so that we can pay you finally, so we can end all of this? Meet us at the Tesco parking lot. Tesco is like a supermarket. Parking lot at 1.30. No one else would be there. It's 1.30 a.m. He said, yeah, bring all $3,800. That is all the money that I spent on answering during this affair. He, Saqib, did not know that eight people were going to show up to this meeting. The Monopoly 8 is what they'll be dubbed by authorities. The Monopoly 8 split up into two cars, a blue car and then an Audi TT. Now, both May and Ansreen were in the Audi, and I think it would get too technical to explain where each person was before the crime and then how they got picked up for the crime. It's not necessarily important. Just know that some of them were at a hookah lounge playing Monopoly, and that would be their alibi for the rest of the night. Which is, what do you mean? We're just playing Monopoly. Yeah. There was one friend, Muhammad, who came super late. He got a call to come hang out at around 12.30 a.m., which is just an hour before the murder. He was already in bed at this point, but he got up, went to meet with his buddies, and a lot of people still feel like Muhammad had no clue what he was getting into. Like if anyone in this group, because this becomes like a point of argument later, which mm -hmm. is how many people of this group actually knew what they were about to do? Mm -hmm. So the yeah. argument is, if if anyone in this group had no idea what was going on, maybe it's Muhammad because he really wasn't even supposed to be there. They just called him out of nowhere and he thought, yeah, Monopoly, okay, let's play. Yeah, why did they call him? It's so weird. He ends up in the Audi with Ansreen, May, and Rakan. He is the fourth person in the Audi and the other four are in the blue sedan. The group all drive to the Tesco where they briefly park next to each other, but they separate because Saqib is going to get there and they don't want two cars parked next to each other in this relatively quieter parking lot because, you know, maybe he'll be like, uh, why are there two cars there? That's weird. Some of them would later argue, they just thought May and Ansreen were going to meet up with someone, pick up something real quick, and we wanted to give them space. That's all. Even Rakan and Muhammad got out of the Audi and stood out of sight so that if Saqib were to walk up to the Audi, it looks like just May and Ensreen were meeting with him. There was nobody else watching him. 
So they got out the car so they can have their own space to talk. No, the theory is that um, six of them, so the two that got out of the Audi plus the yeah. four in the blue stand, were probably going to jump him in the parking lot. Is the theory because um, nobody had cash on them. They're like, hey, meet us to so I can pay you $3,800. Got it. Nobody had any money. Okay, I see. When Saqib gets to the Tesco, everyone realizes a few things. First of all, he's not alone. Saqib was known to hate driving. He just didn't like it. That night, he asked all of his friends to drive him to a Tesco in another town because they're meeting in like a mutual area. They don't want to meet in town A because that's where Saqib lives. And they don't want to meet in town B because that's where May lives. So they agreed on town C. And all of them were like, what? No. They all had excuses on why they couldn't drive him. I mean, I imagine some of them just straight up didn't want to because it was inconvenient. Technically, Saqib could drive himself. But his good friend Hashim... He was the type to always want to help a friend. So he said, you know, I guess if you really need a ride, yeah, sh- you know what? Get in. Sure. I'll do it. I'll do it. He had no idea that Saqib was blackmailing for someone for money and he was driving him there to pick up the funds. He just thought Saqib needed to get something from this specific Tesco or meet someone for something innocent and thought maybe it'll be fun. We could listen to music, jam out in the car, catch up during the ride. Hashim pulls up to the Tesco and it seems like Saqib realized at this moment that he was being set up. I don't know. Something in him was like, no, I gotta go. Like, we can't do this. Hashim and Saqib pull out of the Tesco parking lot, avoiding a physical altercation. But a blue sedan starts following them. And then an Audi is right behind them, right behind the blue sedan. Muhammad said, once we were all following this random silver car on the road, May called Saqib. May called someone. Because Muhammad is in the car with them. May said something weird. She said, watch what I do to you. At 1.21 a.m., a Shell gas station CCTV captures three cars racing down the A46 at a high speed. It looks like the blue sedan is chasing Saqib and Hashim and the Audi is following the blue sedan. They were going up to like 100 miles per hour during the chase. Wow. It looks dangerous. Looking at the footage, it can easily be interpreted as the blue sedan trying to run Hashim and Saqib off the road. So right after the phone call with May and Saqib ends, the one where she allegedly tells him, see what I do you, watch what I do to you, Saqib calls 999 using Hashim's phone. His phone was out of battery. Now, the parents of the victims have requested the police not release the actual call, so they release the transcript instead. And because we don't have the actual audio, it's really hard to know if we're interpreting the tone correctly. But the transcript is so frustrating to read. Mm-hmm. Saqib calls 911 to tell them that he and his good friend Hashim, Hashim is driving, are being followed by two cars down the road. He said, I'm being followed by two vehicles. You're being followed by two vehicles? Yes, I'm being followed by two vehicles. And right now, how do you know you're being followed? They're trying to block me in. They're trying to block me in. Can you get to a police station? I can't get to a police station right now. I need help. What I'm saying is, when you say you can't get to a police station, why can't you get to a police station? I can't get to a police station. Why not? There's guys following me. They've got balaclavas on. Balaclavas are the masks, the ski masks, basically with the eyes cut out. Oh my gosh. Right. Are you in a vehicle or are you... The operator goes to ask where Saqib is and he finally says, they're trying to kill me, I'm going to die. Calm yourself down a moment, okay? 
They're trying to ram me off the road, these two vehicles. At one point, the operator sounds like they don't believe Saqib, so they keep asking for where they're headed, and Saqib tells them, I can't tell you because my phone is dead, insinuating, my phone is dead, so I can't look up the navigation right now, and obviously I can't look it up on the phone that I'm calling you with because I'm on the phone with you. Yeah. But the operator is just like, your phone's not dead because I'm talking to you. Oh my gosh. Saqib tries to tell them that he needs help urgently and tries to tell them his exact location and the operator says, slow down a moment for me. You've given me a lot of information very quickly. I've gone past Radcliffe College and I'm getting rammed off the road. You're not getting rammed off the road. They're trying to hit the vehicle. They're, hit, they're hitting on the side. And you've gone past Radcliffe Road? Radcliffe College, I just told you, I've gone past that now. Please, I just need help. I'm in danger. I understand that. I think you're going a different way than the way that you think you're going. I passed a speed camera right now. They're hitting the car. They're hitting the back of the car really fast. They're trying to ram us off the road. Please, I'm begging you. Yeah, I'm arranging help for you right now. Oh, my God. And it said in the transcript that the sound of a crash can be heard and the line cuts off. Oh, my gosh. At 1.32 a.m., a car rams into Hashim and Saqib, sending their car skidding sideways towards a barrier, hit the barrier, flew into the air, hit a tree, split in half, and instantly burst into flames. The two other cars, the blue sedan and the Audi, the Monopoly 8, just kept driving along the highway before they stopped at a nearby lot. Two people were seen on CCTV cameras getting out and kind of inspecting the cars. It looks like they're looking for any obvious signs of damage. They get back in the car and make a U-turn and start driving towards the direction that they came. They're probably kind of trying to check what's going on, right? All eight of them would drive past the burning car. This is around 1.30 a.m. Everything else is dark. The car on fire stands out like a giant bonfire. They all drive past it. Not a single one of them call for help. Nobody calls emergency services. It was later said, and Serene slumped in her seat and was crying uncontrollably while May tried to comfort her as they drove past the car. The blue sedan and the Audi park in a neighborhood. Everyone gets out. And seven of them would start walking around the neighborhood for about an hour. And this walk will become a huge point of contention in the trial. CCTV footage shows them walking as if, you know, when you're... When you're younger and you go out with your friends or they're at your house and you're like, you know what? Should we just like giggle gaggle and walk around the neighborhood? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what this looks like. Getting some fresh nighttime air after a big dinner and you're walking it off. Who stayed back? The only person that didn't go is Muhammad. He immediately left. So that's another reason people believe that he's innocent because right afterwards he's like, oh my God, I'm leaving. The body language is rather nonchalant. Some say that they can see one of them having a hard time, but overall, it's, it's not one of those mental breakdown walks, if you've ever had them. Authorities will later speculate that they were walking up and cleaning up their story, getting on the same page of what really happened that night. Now, Muhammad, like I said, was the only one that walks off from the group before the walk. And right afterwards, there was another person that goes home. Okay, so what about the rest? The rest, they get back into the cars and they're dropped off one by one until the drivers of the car finally go to their house. Hmm. Meanwhile, at the crime scene, the fire was so big that it was only after firefighters managed to put out the blaze that they could even get close enough to realize there are two bodies in here. 21-year-old Saqib Hussein and 21-year-old Hashim Ijazuddin were dead. 
it is stated that both of them died upon impact in the collision. Um, it was really severe. So the car split in two and the engine of the car was detached from the car itself. Both of them had passed before the fire started. And it was pretty easy for investigators to figure out, okay, this car did not crash on its own. They pulled CCTV cameras nearby as well as Saqib's 999 call. And there was indeed a high speed chase going on. Cameras showed two cars chasing after Saqib and Hashim. The calls were immediately identified, tracked through the cars were immediately identified, tracked through the automatic number plate recognition system that they have, and a fleet of cop cars as well as helicopters were used to make the first initial arrest. And even if they hadn't done that, the Audi was literally registered and traced back to May's home address. Another big piece of evidence that the police had was a phone pinged traveling in that Audi that had been involved in this high-speed chase. So they tracked that phone number, went to the address that it belonged to, and what do you know, it's the same address that the Audi traced back to. Officers show up, and they arrest May's teenage brother. Was he there? Yeah, he was at the... No, he wasn't in the car. He was at home. And he just gets arrested on charges of double homicide. Imagine waking up in your PJs, and you're getting arrested for double homicide. He was freaking out. So he wasn't in the car at all? No. Okay. And he's freaking out. Like, what are you talking about, guys? I don't even have my license, officer. I don't even have a car. How can I possibly be involved in a car accident? Like, you've got the wrong person. Very quickly, the officers realize, yeah, we got the wrong guy. So they let him go and they informed him, okay, well, sorry, that was our mistake. Well, did you at least catch the person who actually did it? Yes, your mom and your sister. His mom's phone was registered under his name. And just like that, the Bukhari house fell apart. February 11th of 2022, authorities show up at the Bukhari residence to now question Enzreen and May. They are both seen on body cam footage wearing pajamas. They look so calm. May is giving the police a completely made up story about where she had been last night. And she said, you know, I did see this weird chase that was happening last night, but I didn't get involved. Later on in this interrogation room, she has these really long acrylic nails and she keeps showing the cops how the chase had happened. And it's just really odd. I don't know if it's the Wait, nails. So she's saying that she's not the one chasing. No. She's describing something else. She's describing like a Fast and the Furious scene that she's not a part of. And she keeps putting, okay, her demeanor. And I'm not saying this to make light of this section, but like this demeanor was so odd. And again, I don't know if it's just the visual aspect of her nails. She's in this gray tracksuit. She just looks so young and just like a TikToker. But she keeps doing motions with her hands, very animated. And like mm -hmm. this car did this. And it, just the way that she's casually explaining, it, it makes you feel like she's explaining the parking lot situation at a Trader Joe's. 3 p.m. Tuesday where nothing happens. Mm. She talks about how she was in the car with her mom and this car started speeding up and then cut in the lane in front of her. She had no idea who this was in this car. But she said, you know, I always keep a distance from the car in front of me because I've been driving for four years and that's just something that I always do. She's talking about the blue car. Yeah. She said that there was this blue car that seemed to be agitating a silver car and it just felt like they were trying to race or something. She said, I wanted, I wanted nothing to do with it. And I turned to my mom and I remember saying in the car, like, what is this car trying to do? And her mom just kept telling her to stay out of it and quote, it's got nothing to do with you, May. And she's using her hands to be like, then the silver car pulled up like, 
using her hands as if they're cars. Mm -hmm. And she keeps driving, so she claims, and she says that she saw the blue car agitating the silver car in front of her, trying to come up to its side and ram into it. And she said, I kept looking at my mom and I said, mom, what's going on here? What is wrong? Like, I don't know if they're drunk. What are they trying to do in general? Her mom said again, just leave it, May. You're not involved. You don't know what's going on. You just go straight to where we're going and we leave it. While going 100 miles an hour. Yeah. In the footage of the interrogation, May looks super calm and honestly convinced of her own stories, which is the crazy part. She doesn't even... You know when you see someone and you're like, okay, this person is lying and it's... You get secondhand embarrassment because mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. like, ugh. She's so confident. It's crazy because, you know, there's A of you. And there's cameras everywhere. There's camera Exactly. It's not something that you can just make up a story and think you can get away with it. Like... Yeah. <laughs> like by yourself exactly there's a of you there's so much evidence and then just throwing the blue sedan under the bus like you think the blue sedan occupants are gonna be like yeah that's exactly what happened she's right yeah i mean she acts like she has no idea what's going on she acts like she has no idea who's in any of these cars so i've looked at my mom and i goes mom what is going on what is wrong with are they are they i don't know if they're drunk are they what are they trying to do to this blue car in general so mom was me, like I said, leave it. You're not involved. You don't know what's going on. You just go straight on and leave it. I goes, okay, that's fine. In the interrogation footage, the police, they just let her keep talking. They knew that she was digging herself deep in lies. They just let her keep talking. The motive for the crime seemed really clear from the get-go. I mean, to the officers, Saqib's family kept telling officers Saqib was having an affair with an older woman that he called Anzi. Anzreen, Anzi. Uh. Saqib even introduced her to his sister at one point. So authorities were clear of the connection between Anzreen and Saqib early on in this investigation. They sit Anzreen and Mae down and they say, can we take your phones? Can we look at your phones? Not that you really have a choice. But they were not cooperative. May lied about the passcode to her phone and both of them denied any sort of affair. Enzreen had deleted every single picture of Saqib from her phone, but detectives were able to pull Saqib's iPhone cloud albums where there were pictures upon pictures upon videos of Saqib and Enzreen cuddling and doing other things, indicating that on at least 11 separate occasions, Enzreen and Saqib had been together. They found the phone logs that showed the defendants, the two drivers of the blue sedan and the Audi calling each other nonstop during the night of the crash as well as May and Saqib were on the phone right before the crash. So very quickly, the eight people were arrested. So in the blue car, you had 22-year-old Natasha Akhtar, 22-year-old Sanaf Gula Mustafa, 27-year-old Amir Jamal, and the driver of the blue sedan is 22-year-old Rais Jamal. In the Audi, we've got 45-year-old Ensreen Bukhari, the mom, 23-year-old May Bukhari, the TikToker, 21-year-old Mohammed Patel, and the driver of that car was 28-year-old Rakan Karwan. They were all charged with two counts of murder and all denied being responsible for the crash. At first, everyone in the blue car was like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. We're just a group of friends that were driving to one of our buddies' houses so we could finish our very intense, lengthy game of Monopoly. That's what we were doing. I mean, we did see something on fire on the side of the road, but that had nothing to do with us. We were, I guess you could say, at the wrong place at the wrong time. Originally, May stuck to her story for a little while, 
before deciding, okay, this is dumb, this is moot point. And eventually she would admit, yes, okay, fine. My mom had an affair and Saqib was going after our family's safety and well-being. And yeah, okay, he kept threatening to show up at our house to do who knows what. I just wanted to make sure that my mom was protected. We were just going to give him the money that night at Tesco and make sure that we weren't alone. That's why I asked my friend Rakan Karwan to come with us. She said, I asked Rakan, and I said I was being blackmailed and harassed, and I told him to message Saqib's as one brother to another brother. She said, we just wanted to show him what kind of person he was at the time and just put an end to it. But Saqib was demanding. He was demanding money and all this, and I told him, you're not getting your money, Saqib. We need to talk first. But then he said he was going to come to my house, so I suggested we meet at another location, a neutral location, to give him the money. And yeah, I just wanted Rakan to come with us because it would give us peace of mind. I didn't want my mom and I to go alone. She said she was worried that Saqib might attack them. She said as for the blue sedan full of other people, they were close with Rakan, but she never really hung out with them like that. She thinks Rakan called them as backup just in case. She said, you know, I was even annoyed. I was even annoyed that Muhammad was in our car. It was weird. I was like, I didn't understand why he was there in the first place. Rakan invited him. May said she did meet up with Saqib that night. She knew that he was in that car, but she had no idea what was going to happen with the blue car and Saqib's friend's car. Which clearly doesn't make any sense. Clearly, they're chasing him in the car. It, like, it's one thing... It, yeah, and they talked on the phone the whole time. Yeah, so and... They know what they're doing. If you're going 100 miles per hour... After another car, switching lanes to go after that car, you really can't say you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Clearly, there's CCTV footage of it. Basically, she's telling the police, you've got to believe me this time because I'm not lying this time. I'm innocent. She said the only reason she lied was because she was embarrassed of her mom having an affair and she didn't want the news to find out. Eventually, she would even try arguing that Saqib wanted to unalive himself and forced Hashim to crash the car on purpose. And the authorities were flabbergasted by all of this. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Hashim is, is Muslim. And to say that about a victim who is Muslim and all of the it's just so sick, you know? It's, it's just disrespectful upon disrespectful. The authorities are looking at her like, so are you suggesting that Saqib wanted to take his own life by causing the crash and killed his friend Hashim too while he was at it? Yes. Wow, come on. That seems unreasonable. Well, he's the type, you know, he sent messages where he tried to gain attention from my mom by saying that he was going to hurt himself. He's psychotic. The authorities didn't believe her and moved forward with a trial for seven of them. One person gets off. Oh yeah, we're gonna get to that. When I was in high school, I had this ritual every day after coming home from school. I would grab a salty snack, sit down, watch my favorite mystery drama on TV. And recently I discovered the adult version of that, which at the end of the workday, I grab salt and vinegar chips, snuggle up on the couch, and I play June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden objects mystery game that makes me feel like I'm living inside of a mystery TV show that is very immersive. You play as Detective June Parker, and you just found out that your sister and husband were murdered. The 
this is a fictional story. So you fly from London to New York to investigate, but the clues are just not adding up. So you get to go through these series of scenes from the mansion living room to a lavish garden to a 1920s style New York cafe. In each room, you have to find hidden objects that help you solve the mystery of your sister's death. And in the meantime, a whole lot of unexpected just scandalous twists are gonna happen. There's family secrets, danger, there's romance. I love traveling all over the world with June. Currently, I'm exploring Paris in the 1920s. Because the game is set in the 1920s, it just has the most aesthetic game design ever, and it's so cozy. Whenever I need a break from the suspense, I can pause the story and head over to my private island, yeah, they give you a private island and you get to customize it however you want for you. I love cottage core mixed with that old money vibe with a huge mansion and a luxurious garden and even like this train rail. June's journey is the best way to unwind at the end of a long day or just to take a break in the middle of the day when I feel overwhelmed. I can escape all of my problems and turn into Detective June. Discover your inner detective when you download June's journey for free today on iOS and Android. I love meal deliveries. In fact, I love everything about having my meals delivered straight to my doorstep, except the delivery fees. That's why I signed up for the Dash Pass, an exclusive membership from DoorDash that lets you make an unlimited amount of fee-free orders for eligible orders. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, groceries from across town, or anything in between, the Dash Pass can get you $0 deliveries and lower service fees on eligible orders. That means you can easily save money at your favorite restaurants and groceries stores. The Dash Pass practically pays for itself in two orders on average. The math is mathing. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items and all of this for only $9.99 a month. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. The trial was a mess. I mean, the first trial was deemed a mistrial. Prosecutors said it was just a behemoth to conquer. First of all, they had seven defendants. Most of them had slightly or completely different versions of events from that night. We had 200 hours of footage the night of the murder, more than 40 locations, 300 statements that they took in to just organize this evidence. A nightmare. And a huge question to the prosecutors was, out of the friend groups, so excluding May and her mom and probably excluding the two drivers, how many of the other five knew what was going on? Or were they just hanging out with friends, got in a car for a little ride, and suddenly they're on, charge, on trial for murder? What would you do if your friend is suddenly going 100 miles per hour out of nowhere, risking your life, and they won't slow down even though you keep telling them to slow down? Mm-hmm. They cause a crash. What do you do? Not saying that they're innocent, but just kind of toying with the idea. Are they uh, killers? Yes. So if that were the case, could they have done something to stop the drivers from what they were doing? Could they have done something afterwards? Is that what we're arguing? Maybe they could have gone to the cops. Another thing that just added another layer of complexity was Saqib at this point was almost put on trial. Same with Hashim. So Hashim was the friend that was driving, truly had nothing to do with any of this. He's just giving a buddy a ride out of the goodness of his heart. But he was the driver and he was found to have cannabis in his body during the autopsy. So, of course, the defense would take this and run with it, saying that he was driving recklessly. He caused the crash on his own. This was all his fault. And then Saqib was kind of put on trial, too. But this one, I think, is a bit more understandable of why it needed to be talked about in the in the trial. 
The court and jury were presented with evidence of Saqib's pattern of behavior prior to his death. Apparently, there was another woman that he made threats to when she tried to break up with him. Side note, this woman is not in any way connected to the defendant, so it doesn't seem like she has some sort of incentive or motivation to lie for them. She said she met Saqib at a club during a night out. She had a boyfriend, but he wouldn't stop trying to get her number, so she just gave it to him thinking, eh, I'll just ignore him later. But he kept texting and she let him know nicely, hey, I have a boyfriend. I have a boyfriend. Like, sorry, you were just kind of kept asking me. So I gave you my number, but I have a boyfriend. He called her 15 to 20 times a day, threatening to smash her car up and go to her house. And then during one call, he got very, quote, extremely sexually suggestive. The woman reached out to the local police three times because she was terrified of Saqib. It was overall not a great look. The jury were also presented with Saqib's text messages to Ensreen leading up to the incident. He said things like, if I don't get a call, I'll do what really has to be done, even though I don't want to. You taking me for a dickhead? Not for long. Your son's going to see them videos now of us in the hotel, okay? Don't make me fuck everything up. Don't say I didn't tell you. I'm giving you a last chance. I'm going to send them now. Your son is going to see them videos and pictures. Are you going to call me back or shall I make your husband mad? I'll tell him everything and make all your pics and videos go viral right now. I'm telling how all the girls were in on it with you. Saying like May and all her friends knew. Mm. A lot of these text messages were shown without context to the jury, but another one read, you're messing around with me? Yo, what the fuck? Just pick up one second now. You're trying to set me up? Saqib also sent messages to Enzreen calling her a dumb slut and stated he had nothing to lose and quote, when I'm mad, I'm mad. One click of fingers and I can break your marriage and every other single thing. It was also alleged in court that Saqib would threaten to harm himself if she did not pick up the phone. But the harassment was mutually exchanged to a degree. Um, Other text messages showed May threatening Saqib by saying things like, I'm sorry, but this year you'll be gone, Saqib. I've got every threat that you've ever sent my mom. I know what games you're playing. Carry on speaking to her like this and you'll see movement soon. Another one was from May to Ensreen, so from daughter to mom. She said, I'll soon get him jumped by guys. Leave it to me. He's trying to scare you. Another one was, don't worry, mom. Whatever it is, we will sort it out. It was mentioned in court that between August 2021 and February 2022, Saqib had reached out to Ensreen 1,702 times, while Ensreen in the same period only reached out 214 times. Of course... You know, any trial is going to be really hard for the victim's family and friends, especially for Hashim. I I mean, imagine his family sitting there. They're like, he had nothing to do with this. And now mm-hmm. he's basically being put on trial and they're bringing up cannabis. They're trying to slander his character by saying yeah. he does drugs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And for Saqib, I'm sure it was really hard for his parents as well. But a lot of netizens felt for Enzreen's husband and son during the trial. It seems like the family was just broken apart. Ensreen's husband hadn't visited Ensreen during her arrest, but he did show up for parts of the trial. So whether it was for closure, whether it was to support his daughter or to support his daughter and his wife, it's unclear. But all of the affair was aired out. Ensreen's first affair was also aired out during the trial. I mean, I imagine it was hard for the husband, but more so the son is also a big victim in this. Yeah. He was only a teenager when all of this went down. Prosecutors stated 
They believed May and Zreen and Rakan were plotting for a way to get rid of Saqib. I don't know why Rakan was in on it. Maybe he was just a ride or die type of friend, or maybe he was going to get something out of it. But it just isn't clear to prosecutors. Prosecutors believe that they were the main masterminds of this, and they would lure Saqib to the Tesco under the guise of giving him the money, but they were going to jump him, ambush him, maybe drive him off the road. It's unclear how much of this they actually planned. It's up for debate. A lot of netizens said, going at that speed, that's intent to kill. It doesn't matter. Like when you're going 100 miles per hour chasing someone, trying to ram them off the road, Mm. you're trying to kill someone. And Serene and her daughter May's defense, on the other hand, were, it was kind of crazy. They were victims to a crazy stalker. And while they made some shady, bad choices, Saqib was controlling and terrifying and they had no other choice, essentially. They tried to use footage of Anserine walking around after the murder with her co-defendants. You know how they parked in the residential neighborhood? They argued that she looks like a woman in shock. Anserine and May claimed that they just wanted to talk to Saqib that night and nothing else. And about May's text, her own mom saying like, don't worry, we're going to jump the guy. They argued, no, 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 we were just exaggerating. During the trial, remember how I said there were seven defendants? Mm -hmm. Muhammad, the one that came late and left before the walk he was the star witness out of the monopoly eight he was the one that wasn't tried for the crime and now some netizens think that he's innocent others say that he's guilty but he's cooperating with the police to save himself it's unclear but he gives the police what they want he corroborates the story that is consistent with sakib's 999 call he states that sakib was being chased at high speeds He states that they were all wearing balaclavas that night, just like Saqib had mentioned in the phone call. He said um, that he was the last one to join the group. He had no idea what was going on, that they mentioned that they were going to jump a guy. He said he was so scared. He didn't know what he had gotten into. He was so terrified. And while they were going like 100 miles per hour, he heard two phone calls that night. The first one was May, the TikToker, telling Saqib, watch what I do to you. Then they hung up. And Rakan, he was driving the Audi. He called the other driver of the blue car, Race, and he said, quote, ram into him. Shortly before the car Hashim and Saqib were in, skidded off the road, killing the two men instantly. Now, some netizens think that Muhammad should also be in jail and that it seems like he's conveniently taking himself out of the crime. He's like, no, I genuinely had no idea what was going on. Some people think that he probably knew and he's now taking this stance to get off easy It's just, you know, netizens have a lot of feelings about this. All the other defendants, minus the drivers, May and her mom and Muhammad, the other five, they insisted they had absolutely no idea what was going on at any point. And these phone conversations never happened. They said, we were just going for a drive. We had no idea who was in that car. We didn't know about Saqib or why even we went to Tesco. They said they had no idea what was going on. Like May said she needed to pick up something from a guy. We were just playing Monopoly one second and then got into the car to switch locations, ended up being arrested for double homicide. They argued, we don't have lengthy criminal backgrounds. We're ordinary people with jobs or we're in school right now. We have families. We have normal lives. We did nothing to cover our tracks. This is not a smart, well thought out plan. Like, why would we do this? If we knew what we were doing, what in our right minds would make us want to kill these men? For May and and Ensreen? Some of the people in the blue car, they weren't even friends with May. They have like a mutual. Right. So why did they do that? Even the driver of the blue car, Reyes, he said, I tried to brake when the victim's car came up in front of me. And I tried because I didn't want to hurt anyone. 
So he's saying that he was just trying to scare Saqib so because he heard Rakan tell him about the blackmailing and he was like, yeah, I guess we'll just scare the guy into stopping. And then he was saying, you know, it's actually the victim's car that was blocking us, not letting either of us pass. They were instigating it. And it was just a high speed chase thing that spiraled out of control. To back up his claims, his attorneys brought in some CCTV footage that does show at times the blue car was getting dangerously close to the victim's car and the blue car is seen breaking. Yeah, because, you know, the blue, sometimes you, let's say you break check someone. Yeah. You're just trying to like stop this madness. Like, yeah. yeah, what do you mean? Like, you know, I, I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. Why does that matter? Like, yeah. you, you drive away. Like, yeah. Like just, you're trying to you're trying to intimidate someone, right? You're following, you're tailgating them, you're trying to do something to them. So and they break check you. Of course, you're not gonna slam into them. Exactly. Yeah. Leave the leave the situation. Go home. And it seems like at one point, okay, like fine. I guess we can try to see his side of the story, right? Make it make sense somehow. But then Reis was revealed to be a rapist. He was convicted last year of R-wording a 17-year-old girl in his home. She stated she repeatedly told him no and tried to push him off of her and he pinned her down and essayed her. The victim tried to end her life because of the trauma and PTSD. Also, he didn't have a driver's license the night that he was driving. So, like, the guy is all around a horrible person. So everything he's saying for netizens, it just went out the window. Many of the other defendants, they said, it just doesn't make sense for us to do this. Like, no sense at all. Amir, who was in the blue car but not driving, his defense was, I was high out of my mind during that car chase. His lawyer argued, why would he get high if he was preparing for a murderous evening? Other defendants had more interesting defenses. Natasha was the 22-year-old in the blue car, and she said she had a crush on the blue car driver, Reis, and she wanted him to fall for her. So she didn't want to make him mad by telling him to slow down too many times. She said she had no idea they were in a high-speed car chase at the time. She said, and I quote, I thought it was boys just being boys, driving like idiots. Also love when people say boys being boys, but it's like a literal crime. It's like criminals being criminals, actually, is the rather, especially for this situation, more fitting. Fun fact, Natasha had dreams of becoming a criminal defense attorney, so there's that. Sanaf, also in the blue car but not driving, he said his father was dying of cancer and he was the only one taking care of him. His dad could not eat, drink, or even use the toilet without assistance. He said he would never risk not being there for his dad for people he doesn't even know, so how would that make sense? The only reason that he went out that night was to interact with people his age and get some comfort and escape out of his life because he just takes care of his dad all day. And ultimately through this, Sanaf's dad would die. And he would not be present at the funeral. So this whole debate of who knew, how much they planned, how much did they know ahead of time is a huge argument still in this case, even now after the trials are over and said and done with. Some argued it made no sense for these people to throw away their lives when none of them had skin in the game. It doesn't seem like they were promised anything specific from May or Rakan, because I feel like that would have been discovered during trial. Mm-hmm. They didn't know Saqib. They didn't care if May's TikTok family, TikTok fell apart. They didn't care if May's family fell apart. Literally, they didn't seem to care for May or Ansreen. So some people argued maybe this is a situation where they were just there for a fun night and it got roped into something else. But other people argued these sound like people that were ready to jump a guy for the thrill of it, 
not knowing they were going to accidentally kill people. It sounded like they're down to like, yeah, let's get balaclavas and jump a guy, teach him a lesson. It's thrilling. It's crazy. Maybe they felt like that was okay. Another supporting argument for that is on the phone with 999, Saqib mentioned seeing the people in the car behind him wearing balaclavas. Uh-huh. And Muhammad also mentioned it. So if they're not jumping him, if they're just playing Monopoly, yeah. why would they have balaclavas? Why would they be going 100 miles per hour chasing another car? Exactly. And then end up getting arrested and being like, why? We did nothing weirder out of the ordinary. We were just driving from one place to another in balaclavas. In the end, the jurors deliberated for more than 28 hours and they came back with a verdict. And Zreen, the mom, and May, the TikToker, Raiz, the driver of the blue car, and Rakan, the driver of the Audi, they were all found guilty of the murders of Hashim and Saqib. May was sentenced to life in prison, and she will serve at least 31 years and 8 months. So if she gets out the earliest as possible, she will be 55 years old. And Zreen was sentenced to life in prison and is ordered to serve 26 years and 9 months. Rais and Rakan, the drivers, were both given life sentences. Rais must serve at least 36 years, probably because he was driving without a license. And Rakan must serve 26 years and 10 months. As for Sanaf, Amir, and Natasha, they were found not guilty of murder, but guilty of manslaughter. And they were given between 11 to 14 years. Muhammad had no charges. I will say I have seen some discourse online that their prison sentences are too harsh, but I'm curious to know, what are your thoughts? After the trial, the victim's family spoke out. Um, Saqib's family said Saqib was a kind, compassionate, caring, sensible man. Their family had been shattered, and they're glad to get some closure. Hashim's uncle came out to state, Hashim never used to enjoy driving himself. So whenever Hashim went out, he would always ask, Who's driving? You're driving. He went home and got his car to drive his friend, even though he hated driving. He's just a very active soul. One of his mottos or philosophies in life, which he put on his social media all the time was, if I can make someone laugh or smile, my job is done for the day. Hashim's uncle said the only reason he gave Saqib a ride, even though he hated driving, was just he wanted to help a friend. And I have seen netizens state that Saqib was not the perfect victim, not that there ever is a perfect victim. And just like the whole general mindset that someone needs to be a perfect victim is kind of dangerous. You know, netizens are saying he was doing some scary things. And obviously, he needs to be punished for doing very specific scary things. But I wouldn't say Enzreen had no choices. It's almost insinuating Enzreen was in a situation of self-defense. Mm-hmm. which this situation was not a clear-cut self-defense thing. And while I agree, again, Saqib's actions were a little odd and he might have needed to be punished for it had he been alive, she could have just gone to the police, though. It seems like every choice that she made was to prevent facing the consequences of her own actions. Yeah. yeah. And I really think that's telling. Like, she would rather kill put her own daughter's life at risk to kill someone with her rather than face the consequences of her actions. Yeah. She straight up said, I couldn't go to the police when he was blackmailing me because I was scared officers would come to my house and my family would find out about the affair and the videos. Exactly. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre to me when people are willing to kill someone to cover up a much smaller wrong. Instead of people finding out you cheated, now you kill someone and you're going to go to jail forever. And people found out you cheated not once, but twice. Yeah. 
because you killed two people like what i don't even think that's comparable to an affair yeah the logic is not logicking but i guess that's what they say play stupid games win stupid prizes and if you're playing monopoly there is always a chance that you're going to end up in jail what are your thoughts on this case please leave it in the comments please stay safe and i'll see you guys on wednesday for the main episode bye